wow, you know, when they started singing that song, I said, you know, I've heard that somewhere before. And then it kind of came back to me. It's been like 40 or 50 years since I've heard that song. I used to sing that when, when I was, you know, young at, at, um, at the church where, where I was baptized. And, and that just brought back a flood of memories as, as we were singing and hearing them sing that song. Thank you all so much for sharing that. And, and, you know, I remember back as, I think, a nine-year-old boy. And back then, they didn't give you white robes to wear, so you just had to wear your clothes. And I remember my mom had me in a checkered jacket with burgundy pants and a big old bow tie. <laughs> and that's what I got baptized in. So... You know, time, times have changed, but um, wow, praise the Lord. Um, and I told y'all one day I'm getting an inner tube and just preaching from up there because that water is nice. <laughs> I think y'all could deal with that, couldn't you? All right, well, at this time, we're going to have our children to be dismissed. And Miss Mandy is going to take the children down for time of Children's Church. <clears throat> and as we, um, as the children are, are going down, you know, we're, we're often, you know, reminded when we see and when we observe the ordinance of baptism, what it symbolizes, what, what, what is being Proclaimed. What is what is being being testified there? And it's um, oftentimes when we'll baptize, and you'll go to churches when they're baptizing, they'll say we're buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. It's hard for me to say a lot of words. I'm trying to make sure I don't drop the person. So I want to make sure that I'm focused on that in the moment. But but that is the, the symbolism that the old you're saying goodbye to the old life. You're burying it. And then you're taking hold of the new life. The new life which is found in Christ Jesus. And I want to talk about that today. Because Paul liked to talk about that. Read, read the New Testament. <laughs> Paul loved to talk about new life in Jesus Christ. And today we're going to be in the 13th chapter of the book of Acts. And Paul and Barnabas have just begun their first missionary journey. And first... When, when Paul and Barnabas were on their travels, the first thing they did was go to the synagogues of the Jews because we're told the gospel is for the Jew first and then for the Greek. And so Paul, following that, went to the synagogues of the Jews to proclaim the gospel to them. And he was proclaiming the gospel and he was talking about how the Messiah would come from the line of David, but how David wrote in the Psalms that... The Holy One would not undergo decay, yet David died and was buried and was undergoing decay. Which was showing that while David was, a, was an ancestor of the Messiah, he was not the Messiah. He was not the Holy One. And, it, and then he said in verse 37, but who, he whom God raised did not undergo decay. And then we're going to start in verse 38. We're going to look at verses 38 to 41, Acts chapter 13. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. 
And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Take heed, therefore, that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers and marvel and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. Father God, we ask that you bless the reading of your word. We ask, Lord, that you bless our time together. Father, we ask that, that you just speak to our hearts in these few moments. And Lord, we, we give you the honor. We give you the praise. We pray if there's one here who needs to make that decision to follow you as Lord and Savior, that you would impress upon their heart, Lord, that today is the day of salvation. If there's those who just need the seeds planted and need to get started on that path, Lord, that you would do that, Father. That if there's those of us who, who are saved, who are Christians, Lord, and we have areas in our life that we need to just give back to you and get back on the path that you have for us. I pray, Father, that you would just reveal those things to us. And God, that the words spoken here today would be your words. They would not be mine. And Father, that you would just be honored by what we do and what we say. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen. So when we come to faith in Jesus and begin our new life with him, I want to look at three things that we will experience when we do that. And the first one is forgiveness of sin. And back to verse 38, therefore, now we've said this before. If you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you look at the verses before it and find out what it's there for. And Paul had just been preaching the gospel to the synagogues as to where the Messiah would come from the line of David and how David died was buried. But the, he whom God raised from the dead, meaning Jesus, did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, and through him, that through him... Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. God forgives through Jesus. Jesus died and rose from the dead to pay the price for our sin, to give us victory over death. When we repent of our sins and believe upon him, we stand before him justified or forgiven. We are declared righteous. We are declared innocent. It's like being in that courtroom. You're guilty. You're, you're going to serve the sentence. The judge is about to pass sentence on you. And someone steps up and says, no, I'll take his place. I'll take her place. I'll take the punishment so that they can go free. And in that moment, the justice is satisfied because someone took the punishment, but you are declared free. You are declared righteous. You are declared innocent. When Peter was in the home of Cornelius, he said in Acts 10, 43, of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. First John 2, 12 says, I am writing to you little ch children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And Jeremiah 31, 34 says, and they shall not teach again each man his neighbor, each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember it no more. You know, sometimes we do things to hurt people or we do things that offend people. Do, do you know people or have you ever been like this? Some people just can't let it go. 
We've apologized. We've made up for it. We've done everything that it's possible for us to do. But there's some people who just can't forgive. They just they can't they can't let it go, or, or they or they say, "Well, I can forgive, but I can't forget." God's not like that. When we repent of our sins, when we come to faith in Him, He forgives and He wipes it clean. And we've talked about this before. Sometimes the problem is we have trouble forgiving ourselves. And God's already let it go. And we, we're the ones who hold on to the guilt when we don't need to. If God's forgiven us, we're forgiven. It's going to be a running theme throughout the, the next few minutes. So if, 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 if I sound like a broken record today, that's what I'm intending to do. Because I want us to understand that when we put our faith in Christ and we are forgiven, we are forgiven. Christians aren't perfect. We're not going to be in this life because we still have the flesh. He doesn't take that when, when, he, say, when he saves our soul. That, that comes later. But we are forgiven. And we need to sometimes remember that and walk in the forgiveness. And he says... That through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. This is what we should be proclaiming. When we've been forgiven, we need to let other people who have not experienced that forgiveness, who have not experienced the new life in Christ, we need to let them know that there is forgiveness, that there is salvation. That they don't have to die in their sins. And like we said last week, what kind of friend would we be if we didn't? If we just let them go figure it out on their own. Because we didn't want to bother them. Luke 24, 47. Jesus said to the disciples. And that repentance for forgiveness. Should be proclaimed in his name. To all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And on the day of Pentecost. Peter is preaching. And he preached. And people were, were convicted. And they said. Well what should we do? And Peter said in Acts 2, 38. Repent. And let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's two things he told them there. I want to make sure we understand what he's saying. And what is and what's not being said there. First of all, we're, we're saved through faith when we repent and turn to God. What does repentance mean? We often associate that word repentance with being sorry. And sorrow is part of it because sorrow leads us to repentance. Because I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my neighbor. I've done things that I shouldn't do. And I have a sadness. I have a sorrow about that. And I want to do something about it. But repentance literally means to turn around. I was going this way. Now I'm going to go this way. Because this is the way God's going. And I'm going to follow him instead of going my own way. The problem is, we say I'm sorry and then we do it again. Uh, you, you know, those of you that have or have had kids at home, you understand that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, give me another chance. And how many chances are we going to give you? On the sixth time, were you really sorry? Because you keep doing it. Repentance means 
I'm sorry and I'm going to turn from it. And yes, I understand I'm human. I might mess up. I might fall again. But I'm going to do everything in my power to follow God's way and to follow the way He wants me to live. And, and to not go back to that old life. That's repentance. To turn around from the way we were going and go the way God's going. And then he says, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. I'm going to tell you something. That water, as nice as it is up there, it has no power to save. Salvation takes place in our hearts when we believe and we trust in the Lord Jesus. And we trust in what he did on the cross to provide the atonement for our sins. So why is baptism important? It's important because it's a public testimony. It's important because it's an outward symbol of an inward change. It's important because you're standing before everybody. And you're going under symbolically showing that you're putting to death the old life. And raising up out of the water. Showing that you're ready to walk in the new life. You're telling all your friends and neighbors and anybody who will watch. I identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to live my life for him. And if you have never accepted him as Lord and Savior. I encourage you to do the same. And walk with me as my brother or my sister. I'll just tell you, at the, end, at the end of this service, that water ain't going nowhere. If God's put that on your heart, we'll wait. I'm going to just leave that right there. Back to our regular schedule programming. We who have been forgiven should be telling everyone we can about the forgiveness that's available in Christ. If he saved me, like I said, what kind of friend am I if I keep that to myself? If I don't tell my friends and my family and my neighbors that there's forgiveness available. That they don't have to live the way they're living. Because I look back at what God saved me from. I don't want to go back there. And I don't want to see anybody else stay in those places. So there's forgiveness of sin in Christ. Next there is freedom from the law. 39. And through him everyone who believes is freed from all things which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. In Christ we are free. John 8.36. Jesus says if the son shall make you free you shall be free Indeed, Isaiah 53, 11 says, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it. He will be satisfied by his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. As we've already said, Jesus paid the price for our sin. And because of that, we are free from the penalty of sin. We do not have to pay the punishment. We are free. We're not going to walk out of the courtroom after he's taken our punishment. He's serving our sentence. And then we get arrested again. No, we still think you need to go. It doesn't work that way. The price has been paid. And we're declared innocent. We're free. We need to walk in that freedom. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 
We have all these things. When we put our faith in Jesus. He sets us free from the power of sin, death, and hell. We are not saved by keeping the law. Because we can't. But by his grace through faith in him. And when we talk about that freedom. And all of us have probably been in, in this situation at some time in our life. You did something. And you don't want anybody to know about it. And you're scared that somebody's going to find out what you did. And either you're going to get in trouble. Or you're going to be embarrassed. Or somebody's going to be mad at you. Whatever. You, you don't. We, we've all probably been there. I, I would say at some time in our life we all go through that. You know, with kids, you do something. You don't want mom and daddy to find out because you know you're going to get in trouble. Or you do something at school. You don't want the teacher to find out because you know you're going to get in trouble. Or adults, you do something at work. You don't want the boss to find out because you're going to get in trouble. And I've had all three of those things happen to me. But you know, the problem is when you're walking around carrying that, you're not free. You're not free because you're constantly looking over your shoulder. When am I going to get caught? When are they going to find out? When is the hammer going to drop? Best thing you can do is just tell the truth right away and get it over with. Then you're not carrying it anymore. Then you actually are free once you've dealt with it. And once we've dealt with our sin. Once we've confessed our sin. We've come to Christ. We've accepted him as Lord and Savior. And God has forgiven us. We're free. Don't let the devil tell you. You still got to be guilty over that stuff. You did 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. Because God took that away when you confessed it. And that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to go back to stuff that God's already dealt with. Don't let him. If the son has set you free, you are free indeed. Be free. Live free. And Paul is saying that we could not be freed through the law of Moses. The freedom could not come for the from the law. And he writes in Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now God gave Moses the law to show us how to live. And the law does that. And it's good. Here's the problem. The law's good. We're not. We can't keep it. Anybody in here never sinned? If you raise your hand, you'll be sinning. So just know that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not even one. The law is a measuring stick. It shows us. It shows us where we fall short. We, we read it. We look at it like, oh, I messed up there. I messed up there. I messed up there. And if we were to be judged by whether or not we kept the law, we're all in trouble. And that's why Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He is the atoning sacrifice. He's the only one who walked this earth without sin. So he's the only one that could be the lamb without blemish. That is offered on the altar for the atonement of our sins. Romans 3.28 says, For we maintain that man is justified apart from works of the law... In Galatians 2.16, Paul writes, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, 
Even we have believed in Christ. That we may be justified by faith in Christ. Not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Like I said the law shows us where we fall short. But it cannot save us. Because we cannot fully keep it. And we can't be free from it. Without Jesus offering himself for our sins. And by believing that he did that. And trusting him as our savior. You want to be free in Christ. You put your trust in him. You want to live for the world. You're never going to be free. You want to live for yourself. You're never going to be free. A lot of people think they're going to make it in. Because they're good enough. Jesus said no one's good except God. If we could be good enough, Christ wouldn't have had to die on the cross. You know, we're, we're foolish if we think, well, he only died for the really bad people. I can get in on my, I'm pretty good. I can get in on my own ticket. No, you can't. And I can't either. Even the best person by the world's standards has sinned. And we all need a savior. And Jesus came to be that Savior. So in Him we have forgiveness of sin. We have freedom from the law. And here's the part we don't like to talk about. We have a fate to avoid. <clears throat> and Paul says in verse 40. Take heed therefore so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold you scoffers marvel and perish. For I'm accomplishing a work in your days, which a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. The Old Testament spoke of how God would deal with those who oppose him. And Paul quotes in verse 41, Habakkuk 1.5, but he quotes it, he words it differently than we read it out of the actual book of Habakkuk. So I'm going to read it so we can compare it. Where God, well, well, let me give you the background first. Habakkuk has been complaining. We, we don't do that in church, do we? we we're, we're happy with everything. It don't matter. We're good, right? Okay, I'm, I don't need to start getting nobody in trouble up here. Especially me. But Habakkuk's complaining. Lord, why are the Chaldeans oppressing us and opposing us? They're worse than we are. And they're defeating us. And God was planning to use the Chaldeans to judge Israel. But that didn't mean that they were going to get away with it. He said in Habakkuk 1.5. Look among the nations. Observe. Be astonished. Wonder. Because I am doing something in your days. You would not believe if you were told. You know if God told us all the plans right up front. It would probably just blow our minds. Because we wouldn't understand it. We, we wouldn't believe half of it. Well how are you going to do it that way Lord? So it's better that we just trust him. It's better that we just go a day at a time. And let him carry us through each day. And trust that he knows what he's doing a little bit better than we do. God would judge Israel for their sins. But he would not leave the enemies through whom he judged them unpunished for theirs. I know it's, it's a tendency, especially today, but, it, but, you know, the world really hasn't changed as much as we think it has. There's just more toys. 
There's just more devices in which we can see more of what's going on in the world than they could back then. They couldn't get on the Twitter machine and, and see what was happening in Jerusalem or in Rome or wherever. They had to hear about it three or four days or weeks later. But the same kind of stuff was going on in the world then that's going on in the world now. And the tendency for us is to believe that the bad guys are winning. And that's what Habakkuk was saying. Lord, why are the bad guys winning? That's where we got to trust the Lord. That's where we got to understand that God's going to take care of the people who oppose him and oppose his people. And we don't have to worry about it. We just have to trust him. We just have to live by our faith. Proverbs 1, 30 and 31 says, So they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. Those who would not follow the Lord, those who would not obey him, he was going to give them over to their own desires. And they have to walk it out on their own strength and on their own power and on their own goodness. And that's not a place you want to be on the day of judgment when you stand before God. If you stand before him without the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ, he is going to say to you, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Because we have no goodness to bring to the table of our own. All of our goodness comes from him when we put our faith in him. Isaiah 29, 14 says, Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be concealed. God is going to deal with his enemies. God is going to deal with our enemies. He don't need us. To get in the way and mess it up. He needs us to follow. Rather than try to lead. Because he's the leader. And he died. So he could show us the way. He died so he could provide. What we needed. And God will deal with those. Who reject his forgiveness. And in the gospels we read about this. Jesus says this over and over. Matthew 10.33 but whoever shall deny me before men, I will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. In Luke 9, 26, he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. And in John 12, 48, he says, Who rejects me does not receive my sayings, has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Anyone who rejects Jesus... And does not accept his gift of forgiveness and salvation will be separated from him for eternity. And I know you're saying, preacher, you're about to go there, aren't you? John writes in the Revelation chapter 20 verse 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is a real place, and I would if I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you. But you say, well, you know, most of us in here are saved, preacher. Why, why you need to tell us? Because it's not that we need to be concerned for ourselves. We need to understand the reality of a possible separation for eternity from God. Because we have friends, we have neighbors, we have co-workers, we have classmates, we have... 
random strangers that we're going to meet throughout life. That God may put on our heart to share the gospel with. And that we need to be praying for. And we need to care. If they're not in a relationship with God. That there is an alternative. Because unless Jesus comes back. We're all going to face death. That's just reality. And when that happens. We're going to. Go to one of two places. Either in the presence of God. Or outside the presence of God. And, and I am not trying to scare anyone. I'm actually trying to do the opposite. Because if we. Put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In whom we have forgiveness of sins. Freedom from having to keep the law. And we avoid the fate of eternal separation and torment. All of this is made possible by confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. Believing in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. Once we have done this, it is important that our testimony be made public. So those who are saved can rejoice. And those who are not can see one more example. And be drawn closer to Jesus. And that's what I want to impress upon us today. Just we're, we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what the next day holds. And if, if, we're, if we're not in Christ. And, and Christ has been knocking on the doors. He's been tugging on your hearts. Don't, don't just get too busy to, to deal with. Oh, I'm young. I'll deal with that later. Later might not come. If God's putting on your heart. And revealing himself to you. Now's the time to do something about it. If you've already done something about it, now's the time to make it public. And if you're already in Christ and you're already walking in Him, now's the time to ask Him to show you who you need to take that good news to. Who you need to take that message to, 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 to share with them the love and the forgiveness and the salvation that is found only in a relationship with Christ Jesus. You know, Philip was talking to the Ethiopian eunuch in the, in the chariot and, and um, reading the book of Isaiah and was explaining it to him and, and, and was telling him the gospel. And they came upon some water and the, and the Ethiopian said, well, there's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you can. And so if you're here today and you haven't believed on the Lord Jesus, I'm inviting you to do that today. If you're here today and, and you have, but you need to go that next step, you need, maybe there's things in your life that, that you need to just get back on the path that, that you, that flesh is creeping back in and there's things that you need to deal with. I invite you to do that. Maybe there's someone on your heart that you need to pray for and you need to pray for an opportunity to witness to them. And you need, or maybe someone that other needs, maybe there's something else that God's put on your heart and you need to do something about that. Whether it's come down here and pray, whether it's pray with me, whether it's pray at your seat, whether it's go to somebody that you need to pray with and maybe get something right with today. There's freedom in this building. We're here to pray with you if you need us to. But we're going we're gonna to sing a beautiful hymn, one of my favorite hymns. I surrender all. Y'all catch that last word? It's not I surrender some. 
And I think sometimes we try to hold on to, to some things in our life. And we give God, God I'll give you this much. But I'm going to keep this part for me. But we got to be willing to surrender it all. We got to be willing to lay it all in his hands. And when we do he's going to do something beautiful with it. And we just have to trust him to do that. So whatever God's laid on your heart. Whatever he's saying to you today, don't let this moment pass you by without following in obedience as we sing.